It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and it is a very special day today here on the show for multiple reasons. One, it's draft day, and that's exactly you know the reason that everybody has been hoping it would be for so many weeks and months. It seems like it just seems like the day couldn't come soon enough. And we are finally here. And another reason it is special is because we have Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire joining us for this special draft day episode. Matthew, the day is finally here. How are you feeling? Exhausted, but excited. Two two words that fit, you know, a lot of profiles right now. But, you know, I, I'm more on that excited side. And while it is exhausting covering and, you know, doing write-ups and mock drafts and all, all of those things, the day it's finally here. I just can't stop saying it. It's honestly pretty surreal with the fact that there hasn't been a lot of sports, you know, barely any sports over the past, we'll even call it three months now. And with the sports world seemingly at a halt, this will be a nice injection. So I wanted to start off here, Matthew, with some general thoughts from you about just how this draft is going to turn out. I know we talked about it last week, but since we last spoke, the owners, the GMs, the coaches, hopped on a call and did a little mock draft, a little test run. And there were mixed reports saying, you know, some people saying it was a disaster, other people saying that it went great. What are you hearing from how that went? And based off of what you've heard, how do you, you know, your final thoughts of how you expect this to go? Well, you're right. I mean, there there were some obvious talk about uh, some technical glitches that happened and, and some uh, you know, just things of those nature that, that come up whenever you're using tech to this degree uh, for such an important thing. That's when it seems to fail on you the most. Uh, so that's kind of what I, I heard the most about was, uh, I think it was Cincinnati Bengals' number one pick. They had uh, some, some issues, technical issues, uh, with the first pick, um, which probably doesn't speak volumes about how they're going to do uh, come the day of the draft. But, you know, the NFL has kind of done what they can with it to go, you know, look, we can potentially pause things if, if uh, a team has technical issues, whether it be with trades, whether it be uh, making the pick itself or, or calling around. We can put a pause on thing, uh, which is, is a great idea. Uh, I certainly like it. I, you want to get it right. You don't want to penalize a team for, for Internet going down or for a phone line getting jammed up. It's just these are tough times. So to, to penalize a team for that seems unfair. Um, but with the flip side of it is, you know, the, the first round, especially if you're Baltimore, you're picked number 28, you were going to be sitting there for hours upon hours, upon hours, upon hours, uh, only to have the pick and then for them to immediately go on to number 29 and ignore everything that Baltimore just did. So for fans, you know, it, it might suck. You might be up pretty early in the morning unless you're listening to this podcast, uh, the coverage afterwards, or, you know, checking out any of the websites. So I, you know, anyone's guess at this point is, is how this is going to turn out, but, uh, it, it has the potential to be 
we'll, we'll use the word interesting. And I use that in, in maybe not a nice connotation. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's the word I'd use as well. You know, it has the potential, as you mentioned to, you know, go, all things go ahead and nothing happens and everything's great. Or it could have the potential to have a few disasters, mini disasters in there. But regardless, I think the NFL has prepared for a lot of things that could happen, such as the internet going down, as you mentioned, or too many kids on the bandwidth as one GM had, you know, that story leak about him. So a lot of different things could happen. But Matthew, Eric DaCosta yesterday gave a little tour of his war room with the coaches and GMs and all the personnel obviously not being able to get together. They'll be doing it virtually. Was there anything in that video that you saw? You know, a lot of people were kind of nitpicking for details, maybe looking and seeing if they could get a glimpse of that Ravens draft board. How concerned are you with those videos coming out? And based off what you've seen from other GMs, how did Eric DaCosta's place look? Well, uh, one thing I think fans need to realize is, of course, those things have been nitpicked over uh, by PR staff, by, by marketing, by the other uh, rest of the front office, you know, those things are squeaky clean and they don't really don't give a full image on, on what is actually going to happen. So, you know, even down to Derek, Eric Costa's books that were, were just haphazardly lying around, uh, you better believe somebody grabbed some of them books from a bookshelf and, and you know, I'm going to put that right here on the corner. looks like I'm reading this. Um, you know, th- those things are, are, have gone through the marketing spiel already, just like players when they give a canned answer. So reading too much into that, I think is, is maybe a little foolish. Uh, but we, we have seen maybe some GMs who have given previews of their place that, uh, well, haven't been as prepared. Um, and, and maybe that speaks to, to how they're going to be able to do in this draft. Uh, again, when we talk about, you know, technical glitches, when we talk about guys who, you know, maybe review, measurables more so than than game film or will get freaked out in the moment because they're not in their usual spot you know those gms where the thing looks a little looks a little haphazard looks like there there's not a lot going on in there um you know th- those teams if something bad happens you better believe that everyone's going to point back to you know videos those tours where they go oh man he didn't have seven tvs up uh wh- whether it actually turns out to to mean much is, is a different story but um I think it's fun, man. It's it's fun seeing the inside of what these guys are doing and, and seeing how they're set up. And, you know, for Eric DaCosta, seven different screens. He's got monitors all over the place, multiple different phones, could potentially get on the on the cell phone. You know, that, that type of stuff, I think, for fans especially, really gives insight on how crazy and hectic the draft actually is. Because, you know, if, if you don't pay attention to it, it looks like things are smooth sailing. It looks like, you know... Uh, guys are just kind of sitting around when in reality, uh, and, and you know this, Kevin, ha- having worked uh, the draft as a writer, you know, it's it's a lot of sitting around until it's not sitting around. And then 40 different people are running around. Things are happening. Stuff's going over Slack. There's uh, lists happening. It gets real hectic real fast. So it is kind of exciting to see fans get a- a- an inside look into what those types of things might end up looking like. Yeah, when you have, you know, experiences, you know, whether it be covering it as a writer, covering it as, you know, an analyst, a host of something, you're right, it can get very hectic. And for the GM, you know, of the team to go out and go out of his way to say, look, this is how we're preparing for this. This is how we're going to handle all the chaos that is going to come with a regular draft. Now it's virtual, maybe even more chaos does come. So from what I saw, Eric DaCosta looked 
pretty prepared for what was going to happen in this draft. And whatever does happen, I think the Ravens as a whole will be very prepared for it. But Matthew, something that is not as draft related is Lamar Jackson had a press conference and with him, he gave a lot of insightful answers, revealed that he was going to be on the cover of Madden 21. But I wanted to get your main takeaways from what Lamar Jackson had to say during that press conference. Well, uh, you know, like like I was mentioning with the GMs, a lot of those answers end up being pretty squeaky clean. I got a chance to ask a few myself and, you know, they're canned answers. And uh, when, when asked about working out and stuff like that, canned answers, a lot of, you know, I know you guys might not think I'm, I'm being safe out there with the, the COVID and, and coronavirus and all that stuff. I am, you know, a, a lot of reassurances that he's doing the right thing, which, you know, the, the guy gets nitpicked left, right and center for, for his tattoo, for, for, uh, you know, working out, uh, for, for really everything he does. The guy wears a hoodie the wrong way or has one, uh, one drawstring a little too long. You better believe people are going to rip into him for it. So some of those canned answers you kind of, you have to respect, um, you know, again, both from a PR standpoint and from just a player standpoint, he just doesn't want all that nonsense. But, you know, one thing that I, I, I took away from it was, you know, Lamar was, was kind of defensive about some stuff again with working out with, you know, merch sales and, and with, you know, trying to come back next year and, and, and maybe re up what he did as an MVP trying to improve and, you know, just, just a little bit of defensiveness, which again, you know, throughout his career, he has every right to be defensive. I mean, from, from, from teams, you know, talking about potentially moving him to wide receiver to, you know, people his rookie year thought he was a bum. I mean, even last year, a guy won an MVP and you better still believe there are people out there that are still going, he can't throw. He's a running back. The guy deserves to be defensive, but I want to see him kind of evolve from that. And, and, you know, have a chip on your shoulder. That's fine. But let's, let's kind of move forward a little bit. Um, I think that comes with time. Uh, but you know, some of the other big takeaways that I have is that he is out there working. He is out there putting in, in, you know, off season workouts, whether it be with Antonio Brown, Marquise Brown, or some other guys, uh, though he hasn't gotten a chance to sit down with his quarterback coach yet and, and work out with him because of, of the social distancing, uh, you know, it seems like he has a plan in place. And if we look at what happened last off season, he put in a lot of hard work. He specifically on his footwork and, and his accuracy. And as a result, we saw him improve pretty dramatically as a passer. While this off season is, is weird uh, to put it lightly. I'm hoping that, that with him still going out there, him still putting in a lot of the, those types of workouts, I'm hoping that we see uh, a pretty dramatic shift in his play again for next season. Um, but all, all time will tell with that when it comes to Lamar Jackson and really you know, every player in the NFL and, and how this offseason's really affected them. You're right. It's going to come with time for him to kind of evolve from the defensiveness that he has when talking about the, the I'll call them haters because people have been, you're right, nitpicking everything he does for, for such a long time. And he's been growing accustomed to it, but no one really gets used to having people look into every single action they do. And if one thing is off, just one simple thing, you know, it could all be wrong. But we're going to head into our first break here. But when we return, we're going to be talking about the offensive side of this draft. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. But before we do that, for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery of credit for yours for seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code LOCKEDONNFL for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. New download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates it. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the second segment of this draft day edition of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostreicher still here talking with Matthew Stevens. And Matthew, this draft could be very offensive, not offensive, but very offensive heavy for Baltimore. And when you look at all the positions of need, either looking at receivers or offensive line, maybe they could throw a running back in there, a tight end. Which position do you think comes off of the board first for Baltimore now? I know this is a very loaded question because obviously it does depend on how the board falls. But when you look at Baltimore and how they structure their roster and all the strengths and weaknesses at the draft positions, if the Baltimore had it their way, what position do you think would come off the board first on offense? Man, I think if, if everything works out exactly the way Baltimore wants it to work out uh, and they get the guy that's maybe the highest rate on their board that's realistic – you know, I, I think it's going to be uh, uh, either an offensive lineman, you know, a guy like Cesar Ruiz, uh, or I, I think it's going to end up being a, a major playmaker at wide receiver. Um, you know, a guy like Jerry Judy, if he falls, or, or Justin Jefferson, if he falls. You know, one of those guys that really are top 15 players, but could see themselves fall just because of an abundance of, of players at that position. That's kind of where I would see them them being happiest with. They, they want to continue giving Lamar weapons. They want to continue building up that offensive line, certainly after Marshall Yonda uh, retired this offseason. So, you know, for them, those are probably the two of their, their hottest points, um, mainly because I think the, the rest of the draft, they can find contributors or starters at a number of other positions like inside linebacker and uh, e- even pass rusher in the second and third rounds especially. But uh, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of it's really going to depend on how this board falls. If things, if, if offensive tackles start going early, we could see wide receivers fall down into Baltimore's lap all day long. Uh, if we see offensive linemen go early, we could see a pass rusher fall down into Baltimore's lap uh, that they love, uh, as well as Baltimore really just screwing everything up and going the complete opposite direction and then picking something like a safety or something. Yeah, I, who, who knows when it comes to what <laughs> the Ravens are going to end up doing. But when you look at offense, I agree with you, Matthew. I think it's going to be either interior offensive line or a guy who you can take a tackle and then switch into a guard or a receiver. When you look at the recent news that has come out, or supposed news that has come out, there have been a few reports of players potentially falling in this draft due to injury. The one I want to focus on is Jerry Judy here. A report comes out that says two teams are allegedly concerned with his knee. And when you look at this news, Matthew, do you put a lot of stock into it? Jerry Judy and his agent came out and publicly denied it. Is this a ploy by teams to potentially get guys like Jerry Judy? Terrell Lewis has also had injury concerns about him to get those guys to fall. And how worried are you or how worried would the Ravens be about these injury concerns? 
when we talk about injuries, especially in this draft and this offseason, we really have to go back to, again, you know, coronavirus is is making this really, really difficult for teams to get medical reports, to get their guys in there, to really get a chance to see everything that they want to see uh, in, in terms of medical history and in terms of, of x-rays and imaging and, you know, that type of stuff. So, you know, two teams maybe being a little concerned about a player uh, and an injury that shouldn't be that shocking everything considered again remember you know baltimore let michael brockers uh out of his deal because of an injury concern they they had an injury concern with ryan grant a few years ago again that deal ended up kind of falling apart and then you look at other teams you look at, at those agents and they go nah there's nothing wrong eh, it turns out maybe there was a little something wrong vice versa you know for for a guy like uh, uh like jerry judy this very well could just be Teams starting to throw some stuff out there because we see it all the time, every single year leading up to the draft. And you better believe literally leading up until the draft, we're going to be hearing about this guy pop positive. Oh, we have a concern about this guy's intelligence. Oh, this guy showed up late to a meeting. There's going to be little things like that as teams try to throw other teams off their scent. You know, I, I, I think you look at a team like Baltimore, they pick number 28. Yeah, they, they probably want the... Uh, the, the um, Seattle Seahawks in front of them to, to maybe not think they're going to take the guy they're going to take or, or the teams after them. They don't want the Chiefs to think, hey, you know what? They might grab an interior offensive lineman. We might need an interior offensive lineman. Maybe we should jump up in front of them. You know, those things are going to happen. How effective ultimately they are from GM to GM and team to team, I, I don't know about that. Um, but certainly for fans out there just kind of listening along, man, that stuff can can be a huge concern uh, and, and can really make you think, oh, Jerry Judy's going to drop down into the second round. The reality is, is talented players are talented players. And if only two teams have concerns, there's 30 other teams that would be pretty happy to take him. So uh, how far he drops, again, I think is probably going to be played out more by, you know, how, how the draft plays out in terms of teams maybe reaching for other positions, quarterback heavy or offensive tackle heavy, uh, pass rusher heavy in this draft. That's probably going to be be more the reason why a guy like Jerry Judy drops rather than a team or two being concerned about a knee injury. Everybody's done their their homework on these guys. Yeah, I think so too. And I think with Judy, and it just may be another a ploy by a team to get him to fall a little bit. But if that benefits Baltimore in any way, shape, or form, it could really help them out. Not if Judy falls to twenty eight, but also if that fall by Judy makes another player also fall with him and just. You know, a chain reaction could happen when it comes to one guy falling. All these other guys could hear their names called a little bit later. But Matthew, you also mentioned the interior offensive line, guys like Cesar Ruiz. When you look at this entire draft class and look throughout the entire seven rounds, for all the NFL and for everybody who's looking for an interior offensive lineman, where do you think the sweet spot is for these interior guys to start going off the board pretty rapidly? And where do you think Baltimore should ultimately select one? Man, I think we could start seeing guys happen uh, toward the end of the first round. I think uh, for interior offensive linemen, I think there there aren't any crazy guys. Even Cesar Ruiz, who who everyone is is falling in love with, uh, for for at least Baltimore fans, there's a reason why a lot of people expect him to kind of go at the end of the first round. It's because uh, he's got some things to still work on. This is a very weak group, everything considered, uh, especially when comparing to. Uh, wide receiver, which is such a deep group. Um, so I, I would predict that 
offensive linemen, interior offensive linemen are probably going to start going at the end of the first round and then really start to pick up steam in the second and third round. Uh, just where, again, you know, a, a team might be be really uh, uh, excited for a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, maybe you can wait a little bit. You don't necessarily have to pick him at the end of the first round. You can grab him in the second or the third. But, you know, Matt Hennessy starts going. Cesar Ruiz starts going. Jonah Jackson starts going. You better believe those teams that are, are maybe a little bit more excited for for those mid-picks, Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, uh, Ben Bredesen, um, you know, guys like that, they're going to start getting antsy. And when that happens, we tend to see that that kind of snowball and a bunch of those guys start going off the board pretty quickly, whether through trade-ups or, or just um, you know a, a team that maybe felt like they could have waited another round or two knows they can't any longer, uh, and they grab a guy like that. A lot of different areas that teams could potentially target in different rounds. But finally, Matthew, before we head into our final break, the Ravens seem to be poised to make a trade or two here or there. But something that I think people are overlooking quite a bit during the draft is the potential that the Ravens could actually trade a pick of theirs for a player. Now, this usually happens for Baltimore, at least either before or after. But how likely is it that the Ravens might trade, you know, a late day three pick or maybe a day two pick for a player? We've talked about O.J. Howard. We've talked about Marquise Goodwin on the offensive side of the ball. How likely is that scenario to you? I'd say that's a lot less likely. I mean, whenever you're talking about picks for players in the draft itself, uh, those things tend to be a little slower to happen. Uh, compensation is a little harder to judge. You know, if, if you're the Buccaneers, you know, you, you probably value OJ Howard more than, than a team like the bears might, uh, or, or a team like the, uh, you know, Indianapolis Colts might, so uh, for, for them, that stuff tends to end up being, when it does happen, the culmination of you know, a week or two of talks already. Um, and, and while there are some guys out there, uh, you know, Matthew Judon being a, a player who has been often talked about as being on the market, uh, Yannick over in Jacksonville is another guy who clearly isn't, isn't excited to be there. Leonard Fournette is another one. Uh, those types of things, again, end up coming through a long set of talk rather than just being able to look at a trade chart and go, look, the, these are the points your, your picks equal 660 points. We're going to give you 700 points worth of picks. Are we cool with that? That's easier to kind of come to an agreement on than it is, uh, uh, with a player versus a pick, uh, type of thing. So for Baltimore, I don't really see it happening. I see them, uh, if they are going to make any moves, it's going to be probably for draft picks, uh, pick through this this draft. And then maybe afterwards, you see where kind of guys sit. Uh, again, a, a guy like O.J. Howard, maybe you go, hey, he's still available. You really don't need him now, uh, especially if, if Buccaneers go after a tight end or uh, find some different things there in addition to Gronk. Uh, his values dropped a little bit. Maybe they're a little less excited for him. Now you might be able to find those guys for a trade before they end up getting cut uh, and, uh, you know, they don't get any compensation for them at all. Yeah, exactly. And that's where those 2021 picks also come in handy when you're looking at after the draft. The Ravens, of course, sent Chris Warmly in a seventh round pick in 2021 to the Steelers for a fifth round pick in 21. So maybe just maybe Eric DaCosta has another trick up his sleeve for a fifth round pick. But we're going to head into our final break now. When we return, we're going to be flipping the field and talking about the defense. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked On Ravens Draft Day episode. Kevin Ostreicher here still with Matthew Stevens. And Matthew, as we flip the field over to the defense, it seems like everybody has the Ravens linked to either a Patrick Queen, maybe a Kenneth Murray, maybe in the second round going with a Malik Harrison, Jordan Brooks. When you look at just how deep this middle linebacker class is, the inside guys, because the receivers are seeming to get all the credit here. This inside linebacker class is sneaky deep. Do you personally believe that the Ravens would get more value out of a first-round talent as a Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray in their scheme, or do you think they should address other needs and then go for a guy in the second or third round? Well, I, I and we talked about this uh, you know, before, but I, I do think Baltimore is one of the few teams that really do value a three-down linebacker in a way that a lot of teams don't. And, and part of that's because Baltimore likes that versatility. They like a guy who can drop back into coverage. They like a guy that can come up and make a mean old hit uh, on a running back. They like those types of players. That's really been their history. Again, Ray Lewis, that type of player. C.J. Mosley, while fans might have ragged on him for his coverage skills, was that type of player. Uh, even Peanut, again, that type of a player. It's only now that I think you're starting to see Baltimore really shade more toward, hey, let's get four or five guys in here and we can rotate them in and out depending on what they do and what matchups we like. Uh, I think that's the future of the position. Uh, but Baltimore, again, loves that versatility. So if you can get a guy like Patrick Queen you know, in, in the first round who can drop into coverage and, and kind of play maybe, maybe a little bit of a hybrid safety uh, a linebacker type of a role but can really come down there and bring the pain – uh, as a front seven player, man, that, that's got to be exciting. But as you mentioned, it's cheaper. You're going to be able to find a lot more depth uh, in these middle rounds for guys that Willie Gay is a, is a prime example of this. A guy, huge amount of range all over the place, maybe not focused, maybe not disciplined, maybe not uh, uh, the highest football IQ, those things you can teach. Let's get him in there. Let's let's let him kind of work behind somebody. Either we can sign a, a, a veteran after the draft, somebody that ends up getting released or ends up getting traded, um, and we can get those guys going on. Or I'm going to pick a guy who is a thumper. I'm going to pair him next to, to LJ Fort, who is, is uh, a little bit more rangy and can play sideline to sideline, drop into coverage. I've got my guys that way. I think Baltimore has – the, the versatility given their defense and their safeties to be able to wait until the middle rounds and grab niche players rather than grab a three down linebacker. But again, Baltimore is one of the few teams I think that would really like a three down linebacker as well. So to answer your question with, with not an answer is yes, all of them. Yeah. We, we love the non answers here on lockdown Ravens because they really, you know, can be the only answers at times when things are so uncertain when it comes to what Baltimore could end up doing because the talent that they could get from Patrick Queen or a Kenneth Murray, it could take that defense to the next level. But again, as you mentioned, they're kind of shading away from that a bit. 
So when you look at guys in the second and third round, that could also be an option for them. But Matthew, I also wanted to get your final verdict here on another position along the defensive area of the team. And when you look at the Ravens defensive line and how they've addressed the the hole that they had in terms of getting more pressure on the quarterback with bringing in Calais Campbell and then failing to sign Michael Brockers. So bringing in Derek Wolf, the Ravens could still draft an interior defensive lineman early in the first round, maybe even the second round. When you look at the Ravens and their team and how they've made up their defensive line, what's your final verdict on if Baltimore should or should not take an interior defensive lineman early? I, I just like a lot of other positions, you know, if they picked a, a defensive lineman early on, I wouldn't necessarily be upset about it. Baltimore likes to plan for the future. And, and I think we've talked about this before, but Baltimore's defensive line, while stacked right this minute, a lot of guys are only under contract for 2020. Uh, almost all of them are, are only under contract until 2021. So Baltimore over the next two years really needs to have the next group of guys come up and, you can only get free agents so long. Baltimore had this issue at, at wide receiver specifically. You can only do that so often and get good results. Eventually, you're going to overpay for a guy. Eventually, a guy's not going to be healthy. Eventually, the guys that, that hit the free agent market that you're going to sign as a bargain, there's a reason why they're a bargain. And you can't be right all the time. Uh, so if Baltimore is going to go into this in a year or two and continue to try to fill it with one year stopgap guys, they're going to be they're going to be in trouble. They're going to be in the same position they were last season uh, where they went into the to, to the regular season with only a handful of guys. It didn't pan out for them. They obviously this offseason thought that was not a good strategy and then went whole hog into it. So if if Baltimore grabs a guy like that, note that it's not for now. It's for next year. It's for the year after that. But they love that guy so much. They think that guy is a Pro Bowl player. They think that guy is an automatic starter. That's why they're drafting him in the in the first round or two, uh, not necessarily because of the need immediately. Yeah, I, I'm there with you as well. I think that you know, just looking ahead for the future, the Ravens could do some good, not only for 2020 but for years beyond as well. But Matthew, another position that doesn't really seem like a position of need at the moment is in the secondary with safeties and cornerbacks. And I know I've talked to you before about how the Ravens do employ their best player available strategy often. So if a guy like a Grant Delpit or Xavier McKinney is available, maybe that's who they end up selecting. Would you be all right with the Ravens going with a secondary player in the first round? Absolutely. And and this team has, I believe it was Ozzie Newsom said, you can never have too many cornerbacks. And that was a few years ago when, you know, we weren't as pass heavy of a league as we are now. Teams are now putting seven or more defensive backs on a field at any given time. So yeah, you need all the guys you can get. I mean, Baltimore has had issues with cornerbacks over the years staying healthy. You look at a guy like Tavon Young, uh, you know, got, got a big deal, but ultimately has not remained healthy. You, you need to have a plan for him eventually. Uh, you, you look at Marlon Humphrey, great guy, uh, but are you going to be able to sign him? Uh, are, are, do you think he's going to be worth that type of money in another year or two? Marcus Peters, he's he's on his, what, third, fourth team now? So, uh, again, you, you have to start thinking about the future when it comes to that stuff. Earl Thomas, how much longer is he going to play? How much longer is he going to be at a Pro Bowl level? Are you going to have kind of an Eric Weddle thing where, man, that final year, it's like, ooh, you clearly lost a step or two and you're not gaining your, your football intelligence, your smarts, your studying 
isn't making that ground up any longer. At some point, it's going to happen to Earl Thomas. You don't want to be on the wrong side of that. You don't want to be on the side of Ed Reed at the end of his career where dude was just done. I mean, he was done. That kills you, especially in a Super Bowl window. So for Baltimore, having a guy waiting in the wings, even if it's early on, makes a ton of sense. And then if you look at the salary cap again next year, man, Earl Thomas, you could potentially jettison him if you have his replacement. You can get rid of him and save a boatload of money next year, which then allows you to go out and go get an offensive lineman. It allows you to, to re-sign Humphrey, allows you to re-sign Stanley, allows you to, to, to go maybe get a running back that you really like. It allows you to do more things that you want to do rather than having to you know, eat your broccoli, as it were, uh, and, and picking a, a dramatic need in a moment of weakness. Yeah, and that's really what has made Baltimore so good over the years, as we've talked about before, Matthew. Their ability and the ability to look for, towards the future, because you're right, maybe for Earl Thomas, maybe this is his last Pro Bowl level year. You never know with these guys and with injuries being able to happen on any given play in the NFL to any given player. It's really important to be able to plan for the future. So a secondary, I'd look more towards safety than a cornerback in the first round if it were to be a secondary player. But Eric Acosta can have some surprises up his sleeve, and maybe that is one of them. But finally here, Matthew, I have a question for you, and I know you have an answer for me. Who do you have the Ravens picking at pick 28? Who is your final player, your final answer? Lock it in. Well, it's the perfect segue from from that last little bit. I have him grabbing Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety out of Minnesota, for the exact reasons that I talked about. You need a guy for the future. Uh, and with Winfield specifically, uh, touchdown wires, Doug Farrar actually did a, a NFL player comp uh, for, for a number of players in this draft. Winfield Jr., his player comp was Earl Thomas. If I could tell you at number 28, you're getting Earl Thomas, this version of Earl Thomas. Right now, Earl Thomas. Pro Bowl Earl Thomas. Not, not his best years, this year. Ye everyone would do it, flat out. Everyone would do it. Antoine Winfield Jr., when you're viewing the tape, and for anyone that's going to go ahead and, and start looking at the tape, his game against Penn State 2019 is a perfect example. Go look at that tape. He is Earl Thomas. He's smart. He's a little short. He's physical. The guy knows where the ball is going to be. He plays the ball really well. He's got some pretty good cover skills. Uh, one of the, the interceptions he had against Penn State, he knew where that ball was going before the wide receiver did, cut in front of the wide receiver like he was the one running the route. That's impressive. Another one was, again, he knew where the ball was going. He read the quarterback's eyes. Uh, the ball hung in the air just a little bit, and it looked like Winfield was on the jugs machine catching punts just fielded it beautifully and then took off running. That's what you want out of that pick. He might not start immediately. He might not even start next year. You get him a year or two under, uh, under uh, uh, Chuck Clark, under Earl Thomas. You have, I think, a Pro Bowl player there. At the very least, you've got a long-term starter at safety you know you can count on with a, a very high floor. If I'm Baltimore, I'm grabbing in, on Antoine Winfield Jr., out of Minnesota all day long at number 28. Matthew, you make a lot of good points there. And guys like Rand Talpit and Xavier McKinney are really the two that are getting first round hype, but maybe they're gone. And maybe Baltimore has Winfield high on their draft board 
And a player who I definitely would not be mad at if Baltimore ends up taking a pick 28. A bit of a surprise. It might be a shock at first, but Baltimore has a plan and they're going to execute it beautifully. I, I can tell it already. But Matthew, thank you for joining me on the show today. That's all I have for you. And when we talk again next week, it'll just be so exciting. We'll have exactly who will be on the Ravens from first round pick to undrafted free agents. And it'll just be an exciting time. Absolutely, man. This is always exciting. Uh, and pretty soon we'll know who who's in Ravens purple, which is uh, perhaps the most exciting. So that way fans can go out there and start buying those jerseys. Yeah, exactly. And when we get back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens, we're going to be talking about just who the Ravens did select or if they traded out of the first round. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.